Welcome to the Stop Down Photography Podcast, episode 108. I'm Scott Davenport. Today's topic is the infinite configurability of our cameras and editing software. What could possibly go wrong? Hi, welcome. Thanks for joining. I'm glad to be back with you for another chat about photography, this shared passion of ours. And in today's episode, let's take one more step on our never-ending journey of photography. I know it has been a bunch of time since my last podcast, and I'm regretful about that. And if you're hearing this, thanks for keeping me in your podcast feed. I have no excuse, per se, for the hiatus. The simple truth is, life got busy, and the podcast was the first thing to fall below the line for what I can keep up with. And suddenly, weeks became months, and, well, inertia set in. So... To ease back into the podcast, I thought, let's have a light-hearted chat about buttons, switches, and sliders. Oh my. Our cameras and editing software truly are modern marvels. Cameras have loads of options and modes for just about any subject and shooting condition. Autofocus and tracking for fast-moving subjects or in-body stabilization, long exposures, exposure bracketing for scenes with high dynamic range, automatic focus stacking. You know, the list goes on and on with the cameras, and software is equally powerful to process all of these images. Sliders to push and pull pixels brighter and darker, you know, magically revealing shadows with detail we never thought was there. AI that detects subjects, corrects noise, fix focus. Dozens and dozens of digital filters for you know any imaginable style or look, we can get it. And inevitably, signals get crossed. We forget about a switch or a button or a slider and left scratching our head going, why isn't my dang camera working? Or why did the software do that? I've just returned from hosting a workshop in Big Sur along the California coast, which was a ton of fun great photographers, new friends, some wonderful imagery resulted. And also, we all had our fair share of bungled settings that, for a few minutes, left us shrugging our shoulders, throwing up our hands, scratching our heads, saying, what the heck is going on? And I'll predict you'll share a laugh or two, as you may have had the same or a similar experience with your camera and software. So let's go ahead and get started. And if you enjoy the podcast, please do share it with a friend on social media with your camera club. And if you can, leave a rating and especially a review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Reviews help a podcast in mysterious ways that I can't quite explain, and it'd be great if you could do it. Links are in the show notes. Okay, so I have five little mini stories here to share about the blessing and also the curse of buttons, switches, and sliders. And these all happened during the Big Sur workshop. And some of them happened to several photographers on the workshop, myself included. So let's give them uh, some cute names here as we go. Number one is the blurry problem. You're out in the field, your photos are just soft or sometimes outright blurry, and you're shooting on a tripod. Hmm. Now this problem came in two forms. The first one, we're photographing at the ocean. Waves are moving, crashing, a dynamic scene. There's motion, there's a lot of uh, moving parts going on in the frame. Some of the frames are in focus, and some aren't. What was going on? It turned out to be the autofocus was on, 
the focus was set for a zone or a broad area in the scene. So as waves moved around, motion on the right-hand side, then suddenly there was motion on the left-hand side of the frame, the focus was jumping around, and it didn't quite catch sometimes and left with kind of a fuzzy or soft photo. So the settings on the focus needed to be homed in to a smaller point and hover that or fix it on a rock or some other non-moving element in the scene, and that cleaned things up. The second form of the blurry problem was with longer exposures. You compose, calculate the exposure time, focus, add filters, and then the shot is just soft. It was just not quite there. And the tripod's stable. This wasn't a you know, clear tripod motion or vibration or anything like that. It was just a soft photo. And once again, it was autofocus. And this flavor of the problem, when a thicker neutral density filter is added to the lens, less light enters the lens, and the camera can struggle to get focus. There's less of an issue with a three-stop or four-stop ND, but you get that 10-stop ND going on there, and it's like trying to focus in the dark. So, you know, the camera's hunting, trying to get a focus through this dark glass, and as the exposure's happening, there's just it's not it's not it's not getting it right and you end up with a soft photo so the field workflow needed to adjust compose and set focus turn off your autofocus and then add the dark glass and then take the long exposure so that was the blurry problem number 2 I'll call the mysterious over under problem and this one was really a head scratcher this happened during a segment of the workshop I call filter camp and we go out to a beach mid afternoon and practice working with the filters. You know, we're not getting the, the, you know, the killer photo, we're practicing the calculation of exposures or how to time a shot when the water's moving, when do you want to trigger the shutter when a crashing wave is happening, that type of stuff. And for this type of photo work, we're often in manual mode. You want control over both the aperture and the shutter speed. Well, one of the participants was in manual mode, but getting wildly different exposures with each capture. He'd meter, dial in the settings he wanted, trigger the exposure. One frame would be underexposed, another be overexposed. Some of them came out okay. Double checked your manual mode. That's not it. Thought about auto ISO. You know, maybe a, you know, a surge of ocean foam can throw more highlights into a frame and maybe the camera was overcompensating. Nope, that wasn't it. We double checked again. Yeah, we're really in manual mode. And ultimately, it turned out to be the HDR setting in the camera. The camera was set up to exposure bracket. So each press of the shutter captured one more in the bracketed sequence. You know, think like a classic triplet of HDR brackets. One under, one nominal, one over. And each press, you're getting the next one in the series. And so some of them were underexposed, some of them looked okay, some were overexposed. Once he realized that the HDR was flipped on, it became obvious, but, but getting there, it was uh, several minutes of real furrowed brows to be sure. Problem number three, the incredible drifting composition. And this one was another that once we realized what happened, it made sense. And it was also interesting because we discovered the problem in post, but the source of the issue was during capture. So here's the scenario. One evening at sunset, we're out to photograph the iconic Bixby Bridge on Route 1. 
and the goal was capturing traffic trails across the bridge. And a technique to do this is to capture a photo of your subject, in this case the bridge, in its best light. The golden light just before the sun goes down, lighting up the bridge nicely, and then wait. Wait until it gets darker, and then capture the headlights and taillights as the traffic flows by. The key to this type of photography is committing to the composition, well, that and patience, and then later in post, the blending job is easy. And I'll put a link in the show notes to how the Lighten blending mode works for this type of uh, photography. It's perfect for traffic trails, for cityscapes, but the key is having consistent compositions just taken over a period of time. The next day, we're doing the post-processing, and I'd show the technique, and you can layer these different photos you have. And a couple of the folks had traffic trails that were well above the road, you know, kind of like a space-age car zooming by, hovering above the road. The left-to-right boundaries of the composition were the same, but the vertical was off. We thought back to the shoot, thought of a couple of different things, and the realization, the explanation, was soft dirt. The area behind the bridge has some packed dirt and some soft dirt. And when you're committing to a composition for 30 minutes or so, a heavier camera rig caused the tripod to sink a little bit in the soft dirt. And depending on which leg would sink, the camera would tilt upward a little bit between the shots. And in the end, by the time we got to the traffic trails, the camera had tilted itself upward enough that the traffic was well above the bridge from the perspective of the camera and the composition, you know, comparing it to the original photo captured 30 minutes prior. And I'd had this similar thing happen with an older ball head that would just creep over time. No matter how much I tightened it, it would just creep downward and angle slowly downward. So it's a uh, it's ball head. You got to kind of get a new piece of equipment there, but it's a good reminder if you're shooting for uh, a composition you've committed to. You need to make sure you're on real stable ground. And fortunately, it was easy to correct in post by just maneuvering some layers around a little bit so the composite shots came out fine. They looked really cool, too. Problem number four. Let's call this the Ghosts of Retouches Past. This one happened to me, and squarely a processing issue. I had a sunset photo, a slightly long exposure, like a second or two, for a nice look on the water, and there were some silhouetted people out on the rocks in the midground, and they're blurry because they were not staying perfectly still for a couple of seconds. So I'm in Lightroom and I'm retouching them away. You know, the silhouettes weren't crisp, they weren't adding to the story. I remove the first person, and there's this odd ghosted version, like a remnant of the person left over. Not an outline or not a halo, you know, an incredibly faint hint that there was something there and you know it's one of those you rub your eyes for a second am i just seeing what i knew was there before you know you look away from the screen you look back and it was perceptible to me i think a casual viewer probably wouldn't have noticed it they wouldn't have known a person was there and been retouched but i knew something was not up it's like all right let me try a different person making yeah making sure it's, it's not just a trick of my eyes i saw the same thing all right, undo those changes, try a different retouch tool, the same thing. 10 to 15 minutes of experiments, I just put the photo aside and said, all right, that one's going to sit overnight. 
And the next day, I opened that photo back up, and with fresh eyes, sure enough, I saw the problem. The opacity slider on the retouch tool was at 93%, close to full strength, but not quite there. So I had retouched away most of the silhouettes, but left this ghost behind. Fixed the slider, everything was good. With so many sliders and buttons and switches, it's easy to miss one. And problem number five, another post-processing thing. I'll call this the unexplained fading of effects, and which I realize is probably a bad name because I'm about to explain what went wrong. But uh, here's the scenario. So uh, this happened in On One Effects. A participant had added several effects to an image, and the photo's coming along nicely. And the next filter's added. She wanted to paint away that filter from some areas, mask it away, selectively apply the effect to you know, just the things that needed emphasis. Great. Grab a masking brush, start painting, and all of the effects that had been added are being removed from the areas being painted. Pause, you know, tilt your head at 12 degrees like a, like a puppy dog. All right, what's going on? And the answer was clicking on the wrong masking icon in On1. Now, if you're an On One user, you, you know On One has a, a dense user interface, lots of things at your fingertips. But on a laptop, things can get a little cramped. And so when a new filter is added to the filter stack on a smaller screen, the masking area that's at the top of the filter can sometimes scroll underneath other portions of the interface, things that show layers in the photo or the histogram or information. Uh, the, this is common for a lot of software, right? The, 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 the stack of filters that we add on, the adjustments we're making on the right, they slide up underneath some sort of global display. Well, on one, right above the filter stack is a global strength slider, opacity slider, and a global mask for all effects. So she'd clicked on the masking icon that was masking away all the effects, not just the most recent filter added to the stack. And it's amazing what one simple misclick can do and you start removing all of your hard work. And I'll admit, I have made that mistake more than once too. So that was the unexplained fading of effects using a global mask and not a targeted mask on that particular filter. So those are my five mini stories about buttons, switches, and sliders. The blurry problem, the mysterious over-under problem, the incredible drifting composition, the ghosts of retouches past, and the unexplained fading of effects. And, you know, the power and flexibility we have with our cameras and software is great, although sometimes it is a lot of mental juggling to keep all the buttons, switches, and sliders straight. a bit of studio news for you. Uh, video courses. So it has been nearly a year since I've produced a new video course and I have a lot of ideas for courses and that might be my problem. I get excited about an idea and I start working on it and that triggers another idea and I sketch that one out and well you get the idea. And while I do prefer to make a few courses of higher quality versus you know cranking out a new course every two months, it's time for me to get ideas off the drawing board and into production. I am working on something this month, the month of May. It's an on one themed thing. A little early to discuss the details, though I'm aiming to have it available in June. 
And I also have plans for a Lightroom themed course in late summer. This will be a more advanced course about shaping light and shadow using Lightroom's tools. And it'll be a big one, so it's going to take me a few months to get that one done. And since all the stories and problems were about the Big Sur workshop that I just completed, I should mention that my final workshops for 2023 are out in November. Both are in Oregon, and both are to photograph seascapes on the Oregon coast. The first one's the Oregon Coastal Adventure, and that focuses on the central Oregon coast. That workshop is sold out, though you can put yourself on the wait list in case a space opens. The second is Bandon Beach and Beyond. This is based at the iconic Bandon Beach and focuses on the southern Oregon coast. That workshop has several spaces open. It's a four-day workshop. It runs November 13th through the 16th, 2023, with a cost of $1,595. All the details are on the workshops page on my website, and there's a link to that page in the show notes. Of course, there's a link in the show notes. The, the show notes always have the links. I think that will conclude this podcast. Uh, it's nice to be back broadcasting to you again. And, and thank you again for sticking with me and keeping me in your feed. I, I hope you enjoyed this show. And I hope, really, really hope that I won't have as grand a pause between podcasts going forward. If there is a topic you're interested in, hearing me talk about or you got a question, please always send it my way. And if you'd like to support the podcast, hit the support my work button on any page of scottdavenportphoto.com. There are many zero cost ways that you can support the show. And of course, if you want to make a donation, you can do that too. So try to keep those buttons, switches, and sliders straight. And until next time, my name's Scott Davenport. Have fun. <laughs>